Today on The Journey, a special Christmas message from Pastor Steve DeWitt. The angels had wonder. The shepherds had praise. Mary pondered. What should we feel today? If this was the experience the morning after for all of these people that were a part of the story, what is an appropriate experience in my heart today on this Christmas morning? When Jesus was born, Mary experienced the joy of motherhood to the Messiah. Joseph felt honored as Jesus' earthly father, and the shepherds carried a surreal realization of their role in the unfolding story of salvation. Merry Christmas, and welcome to The Journey with Steve DeWitt. Today, Pastor Steve helps us foster our own sense of wonder and awe as we celebrate the birth and life of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For relevant resources, visit thejourney.fm. Here's Pastor Steve in Luke chapter 1 with a message titled, The Morning After. Merry Christmas. I was just thinking about the fact that, you know, we assume that Jesus was born at night. We don't technically know that necessarily. I mean, there are lots of indications like the angels appeared to the shepherds, you know, and clearly they were watching their flocks at night. And so if you assume the angels showed up right when Jesus was born, then you can assume that it was, that it was night and, and the hotels were full. And we all know that hotels fill up at night. Right? So it probably was night, and of course, the song says it, Silent Night. So it must be true that Jesus was born at night. And then, of course, we don't even actually know what day he was born, or even what season he was born exactly. We don't exactly know that, so the whole discussion is futile in the first place. But here's what we do know. We know that we may not have the date right, but we have the event right. Okay, we have the event right that there was a day, there was a night that Jesus was born. And it's for that reason that we're here today to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, the day that the Word became flesh. He became one of us. And to recognize that Jesus right now is in heaven at the right hand of God in a body, that he is still one of us. He is human. He will always be human. The incarnation is now an eternal reality for the Son. It's amazing. All of that began that Christmas morning, that very first Christmas day. So here we are on this uh, Christmas morning, and, and I got to thinking some more. What was it like that first Christmas morning? If we assume that he was born at night, which I think that he was, what was it like that first morning after? All of the events had taken place. What were they, what were they experiencing? What were they feeling? What were they thinking? And it's to that this morning I'd like us to turn our, to turn our attention. And so if you have a Bible, we're, uh, we're going to look at Luke. Luke chapter uh, 2 gives us the story of the birth of Jesus Christ. Luke 2 beginning now in verse 1, it says this. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. 
And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. And right now your, your prophetic bulbs should be going, Joseph, in the line of David, going to the city of David. Whoa, something's up here, right? Well, the story goes on. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. You know, the Bible gives us surprisingly little detail about the actual events of the, in the birth of Christ. We don't know that much of what took place. It doesn't really dwell on the details that took place in, in that room. But what it does talk about is the events and, and the celebrations surrounding the event. It leaves the events of that stable, that manger, and now goes to another place in the fields outside of Bethlehem. And here we have now our first characters that we're going to take a look at. The angels. What was it like the morning after for the angels. Well, let's just read the account, beginning in verse 8 now. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws, claws and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. So, it's dark. You've got shepherds, and they're out there, and they're camping out. And all of a sudden, the dark sky is lit with the glory of God. It says the glory of the Lord. It wasn't the glory of the angel. It was the glory of the Lord that shone around them. And of course, these shepherds, they're terrified. But we're talking about the angels right now. So the angel, probably Gabriel. We don't know. Gabriel seems to be the spokesperson for the angel. Gabriel shows up and says, something very big has happened. Today, in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And then it says that a great company of angels, uh, the heavenly host, and we don't know how many, but the idea of the word there is more than you could count. Everywhere they looked, there were angels, and they all are praising God. Now, notice the last phrase in verse 14. I think I've noticed this for the first time this week. I never noticed this before. It says in verse, I think it's verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the angels left them and and had gone into heaven. It's almost like they got done, you know, there was a door that opened, heaven over it, they departed back to heaven. And what I'm, this is a little bit speculation, but can you imagine what it was like then for the angels after they get done making this announcement and they, they get back to heaven? What was that like? It was, okay, back to the grind. Or was there something else going on and I would suggest to you, based upon what we know from little hints in the Bible of what angels are like, that there was a buzz in all of heaven as they talked about what this meant. Angels are not omniscient. Only God is omniscient. And apparently, God has revealed to the angels 
kind of as the redemptive plan has unfolded, what he is doing. There are truths about redemption that the angels are very curious about. They wonder, what is God doing here? What is his plan here? And they're all talking. So can you imagine the buzz in heaven the morning after for the angels? As they get back to heaven, after you know, done their big chorus thing, they get back to heaven, and they're all of us talking about what's going on. Where is Jesus? You know, have you ever seen the way that people look at babies? You ever notice that? Even a big grown man who, you know, just nothing but tough and all that, the toughest guy in the world, you put a little baby, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd rather think the angels were cooing over the Lord Jesus in some way looking down and saying, oh, oh, you know, Mary, be careful, Mary. Kind of need to think about wonder, wonder that the second person of the Trinity, no longer in heaven, now in a body, and not just any body, a little body on earth. Wonder. Here's something else that we know about the angels. Luke tells us, or Jesus tells us, through the writings of Luke, he says this, In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. We don't know exactly what this is, but apparently there is some earth awareness by the angels. They're kind of watching what's going on in some way, and I don't understand it, but here's what we know. Whenever somebody turns in faith to Jesus Christ, whenever they repent of their sins and they come to believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, which the Bible calls salvation, the angels in heaven rejoice. They break forth in song, which is neat to think about. I mean, think of, think of the day Gary Butler became a Christian. There was an announcement in heaven, Gary Butler has just become a Christian. And the angels are like, no, not that guy. You're kidding but then they break forth in some kind of an angelic dance or song or whatever it is that they do. In other words, angels just aren't very, you know, sort of, sort of you know, sad and not excitable. They're very, they're ready to, to get excited and to rejoice in what God is doing. How much more must, if, I mean, if, if they rejoiced when Gary Butler became a Christian, can you imagine the joy that they had when Jesus became a baby? Joy and wonder. For the angels. All right, let's talk about the shepherds. Talk about the shepherds. Here's the rest of the story for the shepherds. I won't read it. I'll just tell you what happened. The angels show up to the shepherds, and they're all like, <clears throat> like this, right? They get done with the announcement, and they say, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has been told us. And so the, she the, the shepherds, I, I doubt that they're like, well, let's kind of you know, meander our way down to Bethlehem. No, they were running. Okay, they were running as fast as they could, and they got to Bethlehem, and all that they knew was that it was a new baby, okay, and it says it was wrapped in swaddling clothes. That's not a sign. All babies are wrapped in swaddling clothes. What was the sign? You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Now, that's a sign. You don't see babies in feeding troughs very often. When you find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes in a feeding trough, that's the one. So they get there, and they go to the first hotel. We're packed. We're full. I know. We're looking for a baby. Don't know what you're talking about. They go to the next place. Have you seen a baby? Have you seen a pregnant woman? Do you know what's going on? We don't know what you're talking about. Finally, they get to the guy, presumably, who says, I saw a pregnant woman, but we didn't have room. She's in the manger. <laughs> they run over there, and they go bursting in there, and there's the baby, just as the angel said, 
lying there in the manger. And if I was one of them, I would think to myself, okay, how can I know that this is true? Not the manger part, but the Messiah, Savior, Son of David part. Well, if they got the manger right, then the rest of this must be true. This is the Messiah. Think of what that must have been like to burst into the room and to see that. And here's their response now. It says in verse 17 that they went out and they spread the word. Okay, they spread the word about the child. The very first missionaries of all time were the shepherds who went out and said, this is what the angels told us about this baby over here. And then it tells us in verse 20, they glorified and praised God. So the morning after for the shepherds was praising and thanksgiving, joy, gladness. Did they realize everything that this meant? We don't realize everything that this meant. But what they knew was great, and they praised God for it. So the angels, they have joy and wonder. The shepherds, they have praise and thanksgiving. Now I'm going to insert somebody as our third character that we're looking at today. And this is not chronological, but I have a reason for including this guy. Here's the third guy, King Herod. Okay, King Herod. You know, King Herod uh, didn't know about the birth. No, the wise men showed up somewhere around two years later. And Herod didn't know about the birth until two years later. So here's what happened. The wise men now, coming from the east, they show up at Jerusalem and they say, where is he that is born king of the Jews? Now, why did the wise men go to Jerusalem? Because where else would the king of the Jews be than the capital of Israel? And so they show up and they say, where is he born king of the Jews? And they're all, Herod and everybody else is going, what are you talking about? And they say, well, we saw his star in the east and we've come now to worship him. And the result of that, the text tells us, is this in Matthew. When Herod heard this, he was, and I give you three translations here, disturbed, frightened, very upset, and all Israel with him. When Herod found out that there had been somebody born king of the Jews, he was deeply troubled by this. Why? Because in his mind, who was the king of the Jews? He was the king of the Jews. And you're telling me that you believe that somebody has been born that's now going to be the king of the Jews? Herod was not happy. In fact, Herod had paranoia about it. He's very upset. And so what he says is this. And this, this sounds like, like a spy movie or some kind of a, you know, one of these movies where, uh, you know, the Godfather or something. Because he, you know, here's the Godfather, and the Godfather says, uh, well, why don't you... Uh, you know, the prophecy says Bethlehem, so Bethlehem's right down there. And why don't you go check it out and let me know when you find the child so that I can come and worship him. Does he really want to go down and worship the son? No. He wants to go and he wants to kill him. And so the wise men, they go down to Bethlehem. They find Jesus. They worship him. Then comes the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. Here come the gifts now. But they, they're warned in a dream not to go back to Herod. So they take off without seeing Herod. And Herod now realizes he's been double-crossed. And so he shows up. And the result of that is that uh, Herod has all the children, two years and under, killed in the whole region of Bethlehem. 
fulfilling prophecy that said that would be the case. And the reason I bring this up to you is that I think oftentimes when it comes to Christmas, we get very sort of sentimental, and it's about, you know, it's about the baby Jesus and the little animals, and we have these sort of scenes, and we over-romanticize it, and we don't realize that, you know what? Along with this scene, the birth of Christ, is spiritual warfare that's taking place. Along with the coming of Christ, there is all of this political turmoil. There is murder. There are, there are families that are weeping at the loss of their child. It was not all a big happy scene. The birth of Christ was as politically incorrect then as it is today. Herod, paranoia. Here's our fourth and final character in the story. What was it like the morning after for Mary? Mary. This is what it says. Back to Luke 2. Look at verse 19. Notice what it says. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The Greek word there for treasured, it means to guard or to hem in. It's used for a jail where they hem in the prisoners, and you can kind of see the imagery of this, that Mary treasured up all these things. Well, what things is she talking about? Or what things did she treasure? Well, all of the, all of the unusual events that have led up to this birth. She took, for example, what the, what the angel told her at Nazareth, and she treasured that up. And she took what her cousin Elizabeth told her when she went to visit her, and she treasured that up. And she took what the shepherds told her about the angels and the announcement, and she treasured that up. And she took what Joseph, the angel appeared to Joseph as well. And Joseph no doubt told Mary. And Mary took that and she treasured those things. And there's a beauty, I think, to this imagery. Think of a young teenage, we're talking like a 14 or 15-year-old girl who has given birth now in these extraordinary circumstances. And she's looking at this baby and she's thinking about all of the things that have gone on now here to bring this baby most supernaturally, the fact that she was a virgin. And to treasure that up. You know, moms are that way anyway. You, you know, talk to a mom. They remember the events of the birth vividly. And they, they, in a way, treasure them up. I think a lot of it they try to forget. But they treasure up, you know, the holding of the baby the first time. You know, uh, they take, you know, the baby and, and they have the little, the little, the little handprint, you know. And they put that in a book. And then the first lock of hair that's cut off, and that's put in the book. And the first time he, you know, the date he, he uh, wiggled and burped and did all these different things for the very first, oh, 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 let's write that down. Let's put that together. What is that baby book? That's a treasure book for a mom, isn't it? She, she's treasuring all of those things. And Mary was just like any mom, only with extraordinary circumstances. And she takes all these things and she treasures them up in her heart. And she wonders. In fact, the word there says ponders. It means to think about. And she wondered about the significance. Like, what does this all mean? And she wouldn't know the answer for how long. How long would Mary ponder all of these things? 33 years, right? When she stood next to the cross and saw him die. She was pondering how this could be. But wonderfully, Acts 1 tells us this, that after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, very specifically it says that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there in the upper room with the other disciples. In other words, Mary became a believer in her own son. 
Mary became a Christian. She believed in her own son as the savior of the world. And then and only then would this now mature woman understand what the angel told her and what the angel told Joseph and what Elizabeth said to her and what the angel told the shepherds. Only then would she understand. But that first morning after, she didn't understand. She could only treasure and ponder what all of this meant. All right, now, here's the point of this message this morning. I really only have one. The angels had wonder. The shepherds had praise. Mary pondered. What should we feel today? Christians, I'm talking to Christians. If you're not a Christian here today, then I would like for you to consider doing what Mary did and what many of us have done, and myself included, and that is to believe in this baby, then Savior, dying on the cross, as your Savior. That's what I'd like for you to consider. But for those that are Christians here today, to ask this question, if this was the experience the morning after for all of these people that were a part of the story, what is an appropriate experience in my heart today on this Christmas morning? And I would suggest to you that all of the things that these characters had in this story is exactly what we ourselves ought to be experiencing today. So let's just do a little heart check. Like the angels, do you have joy and wonder at the incarnation of Christ? Like the shepherds, are you praising today? Like Mary, is there a sense of treasuring the truths that surround the event of the birth of Jesus Christ? I'd like to conclude this morning with a quote. It's one of my favorite Christmas quotes that kind of captures this. J.I. Packer wrote this in his book. I think it's in Knowing God. God became man. The divine son became a Jew. The almighty appeared on earth as a helpless human baby. The more you think about it, the more staggering it gets. Nothing in fiction is so fantastic as this truth of the Incarnation. And Bethel, I think that we need to feel that wonder in our hearts today and to ask the Lord to, Lord, help me to, help me to get lost in the mystery that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And I think that would be a very appropriate morning after for all of us here today. May our hearts be filled with gratitude and wonder as we embrace the mysterious and awe-inspiring reality of God's love on this special day. You're listening to The Journey with Steve DeWitt. Replay this message online at thejourney.fm. Well, Steve, listeners have come to look forward to hearing your Bible teaching on The Journey. And it all looks so easy when all you have to do is turn the dial or click a download button. But there's a lot more going on behind the scenes. Yes, there is, Tim, and you and I would know uh, perhaps better than anyone just how much work goes into a program like this. It takes a lot of time and effort, talented people to put a radio program together like The Journey. And yes, I preach these sermons, and most of the sermons come from the weekend services at Bethel Church. But then we need editors and producers and engineers. We need people that distribute the program, and we need stations to broadcast the program. At the end of the day, it really starts to add up. Now, before I go any further, let me make it clear. No one is walking away with a profit from what we do here. 
Every donation we receive goes directly toward covering the costs of this ministry and all the resources we provide with it. But before we can do that, we need listeners like you to step forward and do your part as well. So make sure we hear from you today and thank you in advance for your generous year-end donation this December. Thanks, Steve. And as a thank you for your generous gift, we'll say thanks by sending you Max Licato's In the Manger, 25 inspirational selections for Advent. Join Mary and Joseph inside a stable, beside a shepherd, and at the feet of the king in the manger as you celebrate the greatest gift of all, this season and beyond. Request your copy by calling 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763 or visit thejourney.fm. I'm Tim Svoboda wishing you a Merry Christmas. Come back tomorrow when Pastor Steve shares a message about one of the first Christmas songs ever written. That's Tuesday on The Journey. Today's program was produced and furnished by Bethel Church in Crown Point, Indiana.